Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Afyomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We're now in Masachet Brachot Afyod Gimel Amur Aleph, about to begin our study of the second parak of Masachet Brachot. Hayak Koreba Torah. We have in front of us two Mishnayot. The first one is very terse. Hayak Koreba Torah. If you were reading the Torah, meaning the section in Vayet Chanan that has Shema in it, and it happened to be that the time of Kshma, which we discussed at length in the first parak, came. If you had intent, then you fulfilled the mitzvah. Now, what does that mean? So, we're going to discuss that in the first line of the Gemara. Uh, the second Mishnah. Now, Baprakim, which we're going to define a little in a, in, uh, in a minute, is the sections of Shema and its environs, meaning Shema and Birchot Shema. So Shuam Nakabod means you can greet somebody, you can initiate a greeting to somebody if it's somebody who you to whom you owe honor. And you could res- and you could respond if that person greets you and say Shalom. meaning if you're in the middle of a chapter, you may respond only if it's somebody who you're actually afraid of uh, and then respond to them. You can initiate or respond to them. The very mayor. sort of staggers it. He says, In the middle of a parak, you could initiate a greeting to somebody who you're afraid of, maybe of the consequences of not greeting them, and you could respond due to honor. If you're at the junctures, then you could greet somebody due to honor. And respond to anybody. Now, Elohim ben Abrakim, let's define them. Ben Lishnia, between the first bracha, meaning you said Yotzer HaMeorot, you didn't yet say the word Ahavaraba, that's the juncture. Ben Shnia Lishma, you said at night, didn't yet say the word Shma. Ben Shma, the Vayam Shamoa, Shma, and Vayahavta is all one unit. Bisharecha and Tavayam Shemar, that's a break. Ben Vayam Shemar Levayomer, you finished Al Haaretz and you didn't say Vayomer yet. Ben Vayomer Lemet Yatsiv, you finished Vayomer, you didn't yet start the new bracha, Emet Vyatsiv. Rabbi Yudomer, Ben Vayomer Lemet Vyatsiv, Leafsik. Said you should not interrupt between Vayomer and Emet Vyatsiv. That's not a usable junction. Now, I'm Rabbi Shuman Korcha. Lama Kamna Parshat Shema Levayam Shemua. Mishman Korcha makes the following observation. Since the three parashot that we read in Shema, are, do not follow an immediate sequence in the Torah. They are separated by several prakim. And they don't follow a sequence at all in that the third of the paragraph shows up in Sefer Bamidbar and the first two are in Tvarim. So why are they in the order they are? The main theme of the first paragraph is accepting Hashem as our God. The second paragraph is chiefly about accepting responsibility for the mitzvot. That is a reasonable order. Vayam Shemua Vayomer. So why do we have Vayam Shemua before Vayomer? Shavayam Shemua Nohig Vayom Ven Vayom Ven Laila. The main mitzvah and Vayam Shemua that they're focusing on is the mitzvah of Torah study, which is day and night. Vayomer, which the main mitzvah and Vayomer is tzitzit. Enohig Alav Vayom Bavad. It only applies during the day, which of course takes us back to the last Mishnah in the first parak, which is why do we say the um, the third paragraph at night at all, since that mitzvah only applies during the day, and that's where Belazim and Azariah's famous statement about trying to get Yitzhak Mitzrayim mentioned at night. Okay, now to the Gemara. 
The first question is, why do we say im kiven So shma mina mitzvot zichot kavana. Should we infer from here that our Tana's position is mitzvot zichot kavana, meaning that when you are saying the words of shma, you will not have been considered to fulfill the mitzvah unless you intended you're reading it for the purpose of the mitzvah, and that's im kiven libo. Which, of course, would mean that Awatana is taking a position on a well-known dispute in the last parak of Psachim and Rosh Hashanah about mitzvot zichot kavana. The answer is no. My imkiven libo likrot. The intent mentioned in our Mishnah is not intent to fulfill the mitzvah, but intent to read. Likrot vakakari. What do you mean? You said he's reading. Why do you have to intend to read? You're reading. The answer is bekorei lahagia. The case that we're talking about in our Mishnah is somebody who is reviewing a text. In other words, he's not practicing a reading, but he's reviewing a text like a sofer who's making sure that he's written it correctly. And now, when he's enunciating the words, he has to really intend to enunciate all of the words, and then he will have fulfilled the mitzvah. It may indeed be the case that you have to have intent for the mitzvah, but you cannot draw any conclusions from our from our Mishnah. Tanurabanan. Rabbi says you have to say Kriyat Shema in Hebrew. Chachamim disagree and say it could be said in any language. That's the machloket. Now let's analyze it. My Rabbi. Why does Rabbi say it has to be in Hebrew? Because the pasuk says Vayu means They should be as they are, the way they were given. Rabbanan So what's the Rabbanan's reason for saying you could say it in any language? Amarkra Shema. Because it starts out with Shema. What does Shema mean? Understand. Whatever language it takes to understand the idea. So now we're going to play a little ping pong. Rebbe also has to deal with the word Shema. So the answer is, He says Shema is not there to mean understanding, but audible, meaning you have to have Shema be said in a way that you yourself could hear it. Rabbanan hold like the opinion that we're going to see later on in our parak that if you do not hear the words of Shema, you still fulfill the mitzvah. Ideally, you should, but you are still yotze. Now let's flip it. Rabbanan also have to cope with the word vayu. They say vayu doesn't mean it has to be in the same words as given, but it has to be in the same order as given. You can't read Shema out of order. Rebbe evidently must agree that reading Mafreya out of order is no good. So where does he get that from? Because the Torah says vayu hadvarim ha'eleb. So therefore, not only has to be in the right language, it has to be in the right order. Hadvarim. Rabbanan, what do they do with that? Dvarim hadvarim lodarshi. They don't think that there's anything significant to the extra hey. It had to be vayu hadvarim ha'ele. You can't say vayu dvarim ha'ele because since the uh, modifier ele is, has the definite article, so does the noun hadvarim. So they say that's not anything significant and therefore they need vayu to keep it in order and therefore uh, Vayu does not tell us it has to be in Hebrew. Now, let's, now that we've analyzed what their reasoning is and how they would cope with the other person's pasuk, So should we suggest that Rebbe believes that the entire Torah was given to be recited and taught and, and ritually res, um, uh, declared in any language, which takes us to the seventh parak of Sotah and several chilukim there. Must be because if he thinks that everything was supposed to be said only in Hebrew, why would the Torah have to say Vayu here uniquely in Kriyat Shema if everything has to be said in Hebrew? 
The answer is, Rebbe says that Vayu would have to be there to counterbalance the word Shema, which would indicate that maybe Kriyat Shema has an extra latitude because we want to make sure that you understand. And now we'll flip it. Should we suggest the Rabbanan believe that everything else in the Torah is supposed to be recited only in Hebrew? Because if they believe that everything is supposed to be recited in any language, why would the Torah go out of its way to say Shema here? The answer is again the same thing. It's talking Shem Dechti Vayu because here we have the word Vayu that I might have misinterpreted as Rabbi did, according to them, to think it has to be in Hebrew. Therefore, I had to say Shema. Okay, Tana Rabbanan. Now let's take a look at a Brita that's going to take the second pasuk Vayu Advarim Ha'ila or the third pasuk really. Uh, unpack it. Vayu Shaloi Kalam Afreb. Vayu means it has to be in order. Can't be out of order. Hadvarim alavavecha. What does that mean? Yacholte kol aparsha tzricha kavana. I might think the entire parsha needs intent, and here kavana seems to mean focus on what the words mean. Tamud lomar ha'ele hayu hadvarim ha'ele shemachim etzav chayum alavavecha. Ad kan tzricha kavana. You need kavana until that point, which means the first three psukim, and that indeed is the psak of some rishonim among the balatoso, like Rabbi Huachasid. Mekan ve'elachin tzricha kavana. From that point on, you just have to say the words. You don't have to be thinking about what they mean. At least, the very Rabbi Eliezer. Amar le Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva turns to his Rabbi and says, The Pasuk says, That which I command you today has to be on your heart. Which means, The whole Parsha needs to have intent because the whole Parsha was given that day. So we have an essential machloka between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva. Does Kavana need to last through? The third pasuk, or all six psukim. Rabbi Bachana, Rabbi Yochanan, Halachaka, Rabbi Akiva. We rule like Rabbi Akiva, the whole parsha needs coming up. Now, I just mentioned that some of the Rishonim rule like Rabbi Eliezer, so we'll see that this is not the end of the story. Some people say that Rabbi Bachana's quote of Rabbi Yochanan saying, Halachaka, Rabbi Akiva, was said about something else. So the position here of Tanakama seems to be that you have to have Kavanah throughout all three parashot. And now quoting Rabbi Yudah, Racha says that as long as you had Kavanah in the first parak, the all first parak, you don't need it. Now what we're clear on is, Rabbi Yochanan ruled that you have to have, to have Kavanah throughout the entire first parak. Whether that was in apposition to Rabbi Lozer who said less, or in apposition to Chachamim who said all three, either way that seems to be his position. Okay, Tanya Yidach, we have another bright, again, that goes through the parasha, Vayu, again, Shaloi Kralim Afreya, Al Levavecha, what do we do with this? Rav Zutra Omer, Ad Kan Mitzvat Kavanah, meaning you have to have Kavanah till this point, Mikan Ve'lach Mitzvat Kriya, from here on in, it's a mitzvah of reading. We'll have to see what that means. Rav Yoshia Omer, Ad Kan Mitzvat Kriya, you have to read till this point, Mikan Ve'lach Mitzvat Kavanah, then you have to have intent. So, Ma'ishtam Mikan Ve'lach Mitzvat Kriya, why do you think? Uh, Rabbi Shia, that, uh, sorry, that Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Zutra, that from here on in it's Kriya, Dichtiv Ledaberbam, because the Torah says you have to speak these words. Ledaberbam is in the second parsha. Here in the first parsha also says Vidibartabam. So that the way that the Gemara is assessing this machloket is not until the third pasuk, but rather first parsha versus second parsha. The Rabbi Zutra says the first parsha is Kavanah, and the second one is Kriya, and Rabbi Yoshia has the opposite. So, the answer is, Ad kan mitzvat kavana ukriya, meaning, 
that what Rav Zutra meant was the first parsha has to have be read and fo- and focused. Afterwards, you could say the words, and if you didn't focus, you would say. So why do you think, Rav Zutra, that the first parsha needs reading and intent? It has both on your heart and speaking them. In the second parsha, it says the same two phrases with a slight difference. The answer is that the phrasing there means something else. They're putting these words near your heart is a reference to tefillin. The tefillin have to be placed on the, on the side that's closest to the heart and not about thought. Opinion. Why do you say the second parsha needs kavanah? First parsha also says on your heart. And again, we're going to do the same fix. The first parsha needs both, which means, by the way, they agree about the first parsha. The second parsha, you don't have to say the words, just think them. As long as you focus. Same question we had before. Both parashot have both components of reading and thinking. The answer is, The in the second parsha is not talking about Shabbat, it's talking about Torah. It's saying, teach your children to speak the words of Torah so they will review them. Okay, so it's two different ways of looking at the function of the second parsha. It is essentially a reading in which you don't necessarily focus on the words, or is it focus which you don't necessarily say the words? Tana Rabbanan, Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohim Adonai Echad. The first pasuk, Ad Kan Tzricha Kamanat Halev. Diver Rabmeir. So Rabmeir takes what so far is the minimalist position. We saw the entire first parsha needs Kamanah. We even saw a suggestion that the first two need Kamanah. We also saw the first three pesukim. Now we see only the first pasuk. And Rava says the halacha is like Rabeir. So you remember Rabbi Yochanan in Eretz Yisrael ruled like Rabbi Akiva or Racha that you need the whole first parak. Rava in Bavel rules like Rabeir that the first pasuk is enough. Tanya Sumchus the student of Rabeir, a famous halacha. If you say the word echad and stretch it out, you have a long life. Meaning that the lengthening should be on the dalad, not echad. As long as you don't skip the chet or say it very quickly, like that. You have echad. You have to say all the all the both consonants. He saw that he was saying echad at great length. He said to him, Once you have declared God to be king above and below and all four directions, more than that you don't need to do. Uh, the words you have to be standing for. You think you have to stand up for those two words? Which means you have to say up until standing up. Afterwards, you don't have to be. And here, standing up seems to be a function of kavanah. And Rabbi Yochanan, we're not surprised, says the entire first parsha needs to be amida. Why? Because Rabbi Yochanan is being consistent. Because remember, he said the whole first parak needs kavanah, and if standing up is equal to kavanah, then that would work that way. Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohim Adonai Echad Zuh Kriyat Shema Shal Rabbi Yehuda Nasi. That's what Rabbi Yehuda Nasi would say for Shema. Meaning what? 
So let's see. I'm going to Rav, Rabbi Chia. So Rav, the young student of Rabbi, said to Rabbi Chia, his uncle, who was the seasoned student of Rabbi, Lo I don't see Rabbi accepting Machut meaning saying Shema. Amalei Bar Pachti, big shot. That's what his name for, nickname for him was. When he's, when we're learning, and he takes a break in the middle of it, and puts his hands over his eyes, or over his face, he says Shema. Fine, but now, does he then, when we're done with the study session, which is very early in the morning, does he then repeat the whole thing and finish all of Shema, or not? Bar Kappa, who was a student of Rebbe, says, He doesn't. Rebbe's son says, He does. I'm a Bar Kappa, So Bar Kappa turned to Rebbe's son and said, According to me, I claim Rebbe never finished it. Which my spell is enough for him. He's learning Torah in the meantime. And then when he's done, he doesn't have to, have to go over and finish it because he was uh, basically accomplished what he needed to accomplish. So according to me, now I, according to my position, it makes sense that Rebbe's always looking to teach something about Yitziat Mitzrayim in his lesson so that he'll mention Yitziat Mitzrayim because he's not going to say Shema again. But according to you, says that Rebbe is going to say the rest of Shema later on. Why would he look for something about Yitzhak Mitzrayim to say in his learning? He's going to say it anyways. So Shimon's answer is to mention Yitzhak Mitzrayim in its proper time, um, and that is the time of Kriyat Shema. Okay. So a quote from Rav. Let's say you said the first pasuk, and you fell asleep. It's nighttime. You're lying in bed. You said Shema. You said the first pasuk, fell asleep. Yatsai, you fulfilled the mitzvah. Which means if you have a servant or somebody who would wake you up, you don't. they don't need to bother you. Rav Nachman, the Dara Rav Dea. Now we see Rav Nachman, who was a student of Rav, said to his servant, If I didn't yet say the first pasuk, bother me and wake me up. If I already said that, I just didn't say more, don't bother me. Which means clearly, you should say more. But, uh, in this case, don't bother me if I already said the first pasuk. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says to his colleague's son, Remember, there were two years after Rabbah died that Rav Yosef was still alive, and Rav Yosef then became Rosh Hashiva. He said, what did your father used to do? What was his practice for Shema? For the first pasuk, he would bother himself to wake up to say it. If he already said the first pasuk, he would not bother himself. So now, I'm Rav Yosef. One last uh, bit here. Big machlok that we shown him what prakdan is. It's somebody lying on his back or lying on his stomach. He shouldn't say Kriyat Shema like that. So, Mikra Hudalo Mikri Hamigana Shaperdami. You're not allowed to say Kriyat Shema like that, implying that you could sleep like that. Rabbi Shubin Levi Layat Amandagani Aparka. Rabbi Shubin Levi used to curse anybody who would lie like that. The answer is, I'm a Migana Kimatsi Shaperdami. For sleeping, if you just turn your body a little bit, evidently it's considered to be either, uh, highly sexually suggestive or else kind of embarrassing. Um, so if you lean, if you recline a little bit, like lean over a little bit, so you're not flat on your back or on your stomach, whatever it may be, then that's fine. Mikra, but for reading, alphagabdematsli namiyasr. Even if you're leaning, recline, like turned over, it's not okay. You really have to sit up. Ah, Rabbi Yochanan, matzavikar. Rabbi Yochanan, the great Rabbi Yochanan, used to just lean a little bit over and read. He was very fat, so therefore it was very hard for him to write his body, and therefore. 
uh, he would uh, he would only turn a little bit in order to read. Okay, we'll pause this point. We'll pick it up in the next podcast on Daf Yud Gimel and Bed at the bottom. Meantime, it should have a wonderful day.